We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in. Thursday edition, Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you today. We're going to talk to Jeffrey Wright. We'll call him in uh, just a minute here in a uh, second. The NBA Finals. Starting tonight, game one of that, Denver and Miami, the one seed versus the eight seed, West East, but still one versus eight. Um, Ole Miss waiting on a couple uh, waivers for the men's basketball program that will dictate the season. Might get to that today. I don't know. We'll talk some stuff with Jeffrey. We'll see where we go following that as well. Transfer portal up and running for um, Ole Miss baseball. And then uh, Jamal Murray, the uh, guard from St. Peter's, commits to Ole Miss in the last 24 hours or so. Story up on that at rebelgrove.com. So that's sort of your setup today for a podcast brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm going to tell you also that uh, Friday is National Donut Day, meaning if you stop into a Blue Sky location in Clinton or Brookhaven, you get a, a free donut between 6 and 9 o'clock. Go in, get a free donut. You're going to love it. You're going to get some more. they got a lot of options, a lot of flavors, make them homemade every single day. I think they're going to announce on social media some different things they've got going on with that, maybe some flavors. They'll let you know if you follow uh, Oxford Exxon on social media what's going on with that. Ribs, lunch specials here locally, and much more. Again, that's uh, sorry, Blue Sky here locally in Oxford. Again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Again, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright will join momentarily on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur simply looking to diversify. Either way, Andy Ludeke can help you. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. you got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or call 404-973-9901. 
get Jeffrey on the horn now to uh, get going. He'll handle that, so give us one second. <clears throat> Again, contact con, pluh, content up at rebelgrove.com in the meantime. It's working. I think so, Jeffrey. Good morning. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we hear you great. How are you? Do we have feedback? Do we have or, or, or well, we, we can okay? never. Yeah, we never hear the feedback. It's only in the stream. So they'll they, look. They will tell us. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get the answer okay. in about forty five seconds. So either way, I think we're good. It's June first. What's uh? What's the radio topics on June first, bud? What are we, what are we talking about today? Well, I don't know if we were given a gift or not. DeAndre Williams. So DeAndre Williams is trying to get a 11th year of college basketball. Um, he has uh, Penny Hardaway's lawyer on the case. Everyone at Memphis Compliance does not believe. Like, they, they checked into it. They don't think this is a thing, but it's going to test. Neil was, Neil was on Jeff's show with me yesterday, and, you know, they say they have mitigating factors, and I'm sure they're going to – throw some mud at the wall, and so we're about to test whether or not the NCAA is going to be willing to do something that's not pro-player, although the one thing that gives me hesitation is it feels like the last ounce of power that the NCAA has is determining eligibility, and it does feel like they want to hang on, but at the same time, every time it's kind of been a pressure cooker, they've pretty much folded like a cheap chair. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, we're localizing it. Neil and I, right before we started the show, we're talking about Ole Miss basketball needing a couple waivers to to make its roster at least the argument for an NCAA tournament in year one under Chris Beard, as uh, CSA, the transfer from Oklahoma State. You're aware of him, obviously, and then uh, Brandon Murray, who was at Georgetown, both seeking mental health waivers. The NCAA coming out in January saying that basically mental health or assault are the only ways to get a waiver at this point. They put this hard line in the sand. It looks like they have um, denied a couple people at smaller schools and things. You're seeing these stories trickle out. It is fascinating from two levels. A, do they stick to that, which I would assume they do if they put it in print. And two, is mental health this wide-ranging thing that's going to require a lot of documentation? Or is it going to give the NCAA a bunch of outs to still clear everybody? And we have no idea yet. Yeah, I think that's the best way to, to phrase it. It has been a bulletproof strategy previously. Are they going to dig a little deeper and require more than just like a doctor's note? Because I honestly, I think that was the standard beforehand. I think you just needed one doctor to sign off on it or maybe one Maybe just like one clinical psychologist. I don't even know if you need a, a, a psychiatrist. I think mm-hmm. you just need a psychologist. And so now, you know, are you going to need more? Are you going to have to? The other problem with DeAndre is like, he's not transferring. So it's kind of murkier to, to, I think you're going to have to go back and prove mental health from when he was at Evansville. But the problem with Evansville was he was a non-qualifier, and that started his clock. Oh. And so that's why I think it's going to be very difficult to get his year back. That feels problematic. Really problematic. They hate getting sued, though. I... They hate lawsuits. They, they, so much of everything that has started to trickle down to change the face of college athletics began, if you got to the root of it, 
with a lawsuit? Well, I would argue it began with the losing of lawsuit. Well, that's what I mean. They were getting sued. <laughs> yeah, they were getting sued pretty extensively previously, but they weren't losing. It wasn't until they started losing in court that, that now it became a bigger deal. There was a sea change in that. They never lost a case for a long time. They could litigate pretty pretty effectively. And then all of a sudden, pow, 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 pow. And here I mean, we are. It's why, real, you know, it's why the O'Bannon case, I think, is the actual landmark case. Because that's when that's when they started losing. I'm jumping all around here, but I just saw that this morning. NIL era, portal era, I don't know, whatever you want to call this. Maybe just time. Maybe it's just nothing and whatever. Kentucky having seven basketball players and getting such bad news yesterday from a draft and a transfer standpoint and all this. Are we completely just selling on Cal at this point? I'm not selling yet because they still have they still have two of the top players coming in, the two of the top, you know, I mean, again, it's going to be freshmen. So they still have, they still have plenty of talent. I think Kentucky basketball's in a similar position that we've seen, you know, out to a lesser degree, Alabama football be in, in that you have dominated this under the table world for so long. And now that it's in this, you know, free market, if you will, people got bigger, people got deeper pockets. That's to what me, I, that's what I think. I think, sorry, go ahead, Neil. No, I, I think every, I told Chase this yesterday. I think that we have entered a completely new realm in college athletics where just because you won 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, pick your number. I don't really care. I mean, yeah. what, two years ago. Doesn't mean you're going to win in the future, and just because you didn't, doesn't mean that you can't win now. It, it's all, it's all completely market driven now. You can throw tradition and stuff completely out of the window. It's all market driven now. Well, I mean, Neil and I talked about it yesterday on Jeff's show, but you know, Chase, it's a point that I've kind of noticed recently in talking points with coaches. No one's talking about facilities anymore. Nobody's talking about, well, we got to have more staff members. We got to have, you know, all these things that we've been used to hearing. It's all one thing that coaches want. They want more NIL money. And to me, like, that's what it, it's really what, it, or what it's boiling down to is they're basically saying, all right, maybe one kid or two kids may not, may not care what the highest bid is, but the the overwhelming majority of kids and the kids that you're recruiting, it's about the NIL offer. And as Neil has pointed, I think you got to give some credit to the money people for making NIL the term because it's not name, image, and likeness. Not even a little bit. It's pay for play. And anyone with a brain saw this coming, yet there was nothing in place to combat it. The biggest question that I have, and it's what Neil and I talked about yesterday, I don't trust the I don't trust the powers that be to solve this issue, because when have they ever proven that when an issue comes to the forefront that they can solve it? Here's the thing. I mean, Here's the thing. You're right. Number one. Number two. I, I guess I'll defend them a little bit at this point and go. Well, what? 
what in the world would you even do? Like, what is, I don't even know how you would go back and, and quote, fix it, end quote, now. I don't, the players would argue this is not broken. Well, that's the so, problem, and, and, though. The players get whatever they want. Now. Right. I mean, at some point, you have to decide if that's tenable or not, and it's not. So the only, how do you fix it? The only way that you fix it, I think. You made the mistake when you allowed the unlimited transfers. Yeah. That's when you. That's when the toothpaste came out of the tube is when you said, no, nope, go wherever you want. Cool. Sweet. No no, no problem. Well, I, 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 go ahead. I think there were, three, there were three issues that showed up at the exact same point in time, and they were going to struggle to solve one of the issues, let alone all three at the same time. So you have the transfer waiver come in. You have name, image, and likeness policy, or you know, essentially saying, you know, the court saying you cannot limit a player's ability to profit off his name, image, and likeness, or her name, image, and likeness. And then you also had the pandemic, in which you gave, you blanketly gave basically a year and a half of eligibility to players. So you just had this massive free-for-all in this just absolute wild, wild west scenario. And uh, to Neil's point, I don't know where you go back in time to try and fix it. The, the biggest issue, though, that I see is we have now created a professional sports system that is denying that it's professional sports and you're – I mean, I can't think of any other professional sports league that doesn't have contracts. So now you've also incentivized players to essentially get re-recruited every single year. And one thing I know about uh, one thing I know about young athletes, they love to be recruited. And so, you know, I, where I don't I don't even know where you begin. I think you have to begin by acknowledging this is professional sports. Yeah, I th- you have to decide you're good with limiting athletes. That's where you have to start. The very first thing is I'm okay taking some of their power away. I have to take some of their power away, and I have to deal with all the repercussions in whatever way that comes to get this right. It's what because Ty- look, they don't believe that. There's a group right now that goes, and we can't do that no matter what. Tyler Siski has said this all along consistently on our show. Yeah. He says over and over that the one thing that would fix it, sit out, is you go back to the. Old transfer rules. You don't do anything with pay-for-play. You don't do anything with NIL, but you go back to the old transfer rules. And I'm just telling you guys, I think I think you agree with that. Yeah, I do. And I think y'all are right, okay? I think you're right. I also think, and I think Jeffrey's going to agree with me, that the fight that would get put up against that would be a monumental battalion. But at some point, are you in charge or you're not? And what are they going to do? I'm with what you. What is the alternative for the player? Because I we always go, they've got all the power. And sure, they do have a lot of power. I mean, in theory, sure, they can not play. Mm-hmm. But they have to get stuff on tape. They have to play something sure. somewhere. There's nowhere else for them to go. Right. So at some point, you have to decide, are we going to fix this? Or are we simply going to go, nope, I just got to give them whatever they want. And right now, it's what you're doing. You have to decide. You're letting them kill everything at the roots. You have to decide. No, it's your fault. It's not their fault. Right. You have to decide, are you willing to be the bad guy publicly? And in today's world, man, there aren't a lot of people that are willing to be the bad guy publicly. There aren't a lot of people that are willing to stand up and go, no, you know, this is, we went too far. This was too much. Because there's this disconnect. And now look, do they waste plenty of money at every university in the country? Of course. Not saying they don't. But there's this disconnect that, 
oh, your budget is ninety million, meaning you can give the players seventy, and it's all fine. It's like no, they're like. School. Well, it's what it's what's interesting about this. We always talk about, hey, it's always about the money, but the money gets restructured into everything. You know, obviously, coaches make a ton of money and all that sure, stuff. Sure, but it's not like the athletic department is posting a bunch of positive revenue at the end of the year and just putting money into the bank. They're actually almost everybody's operating at losses here, so that requires a complete change of everything to do any sort of share at that point. That's not it's it's nonsensical. Of course, it is. So to fix it, you That's have why to do it's what not we're talking professional about. sports. Because if it were professional sports, you wouldn't have a women's tennis team. Well, you wouldn't have a women's tennis team funded by the football team. Yeah, or you just you, you would have a women's tennis club. Yeah, that was, that was a bunch. I mean, of, that was a bunch of girls on campus that enjoyed playing tennis, and then maybe occasionally, if they were at University of Memphis, for example, maybe occasionally they'd go play UT Martin. But there wouldn't be a giant budget for it. They wouldn't fly all over the place. They wouldn't go to Hawaii for some tournament. They, they, they just wouldn't. There would be no money. Yeah, the other thing that I always keep coming back to, we had a, we had a minister that gave a sermon like right after, New Year's, uh, right after New Year's earlier this year, and she put it in a way that kind of made me alter my thinking. And it was basically about the pandemic, and the question of well, when are we going to go back, you know, when are we going to go back to the way that it was, you know, how, how do we fix all this? And the point she made is a lot of times there is no going back. Once the toothpaste is out, it's out, and that's just the way that it is. Yep. And it's learning to adjust, learning to adjust moving forward. And so... I largely think that's where we are. I mean, I guess the other question that I have is if you acknowledge if you acknowledge that it's a professional sports enterprise and you make them employees, does that avoid Title IX issues? Because no one cares no one cares that, you know, senior law professor makes more than adjunct, you know, comms professor. Like you don't have to spend a dollar for a dollar there. Does that perhaps give you a workaround? I don't know. That's a great question. I have to get a legal person on to answer it. It would it would require someone with a a legal background, probably specifically to Title Nine type of legislation for me to answer it. And I don't. That's that, don't that's have fixing that. a smaller problem and creating much bigger problems, though, right? Because I mean, the employee problem well, is I, that I, I, I mean, there's a thousand reasons why that is a, is problematic. But I think if you acknowledge that it's a, a professional, if, if you acknowledge that it's professional sports, that can allow you to restructure and actually have an organization that could be, that could govern. The biggest problem right now is that there's, who, who's in charge to Chase's point? Is the conferences? Doesn't seem it's the NCAA. It's not the NCAA. It's not Congress. They keep asking Congress to, Step in, and Congress says, "No, nah, we're good. We can't. No, we're not touching that." And, no, they got, con- all Congress cares about is having the the theater, you know, to get a cheap political win. Yeah, they're they're not getting into this. It's too unpopular. And every every other year is an election year in Congress, and so nobody wants to touch this. 
And then it's compli- no, and, and also- it's complicated. I mean, we're we're all smart guys. We can't figure it out. And the toothpaste is not just out of the tube, guys. The toothpaste is out of the tube, and it has been smeared all over the walls. It's all over the floor. It's crusted. It is. It's that stuff that you can't. You have to scrub to get out. You're not ever getting the toothpaste back in the tube. That's done. It's over. That's not happening. So you we're have just to, having to clean the counters now. We're we're trying to clean well, up. That's the question. Can you clean the counters? Do we have four hundred nine? Well, and then you, then the question is: it, it, the stuff that you have to clean, you have to decide if you really want to use it. You have to decide: is it really worth cleaning up, or is the market just going to fix it? Is it going to correct itself over time? Is it going to adjust over time? Which is kind of what I think. Because nobody's forcing anybody to pay anything. I just think people are going to see over the course of a few years that, I don't know, is this really worth my investment? Is this really worth it? That's what I think. But by then, is the death coming up the trunk? This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down. You may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up the way you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. I've used therapy in the past. It's a great thing to talk to somebody new, talk to somebody fresh. You can talk to friends, you can talk to family, but sometimes they have preconceived notions. They have uh, different ways and motions that are involved with that. Talk to a professional who can help you right from the very beginning. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable. It's entirely online. You can even get them to set the camera on or off. You can make it the experience you want it to be by filling out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash MPW. Also, spring is in full swing and summer's right around the corner. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business. And one of the most effective ways to maintain your home is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment, and also saves you time and money. Heavenly Sunshine Property has been serving the Mid-South for four decades. That includes Oxford. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash, roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact them today to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. Visit the website at heavenlysunshine.com or call 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate. Use the code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Could be. I mean, this is something I, I found interesting. This is something I found interesting, and maybe it doesn't apply necessarily as much to football. But a new thing that I'm noticing when a coach says, "Hey, I need," you know, goes to money person and says, "I need money for this guy." Here's the deal that, and we got to get to this number. The coaches used to blindly kind of get followed. As long as, you know, as long as they were popular. Now what's happening is a lot of these, a lot of these money people are just getting on YouTube and they're like, who the hell is this guy? Why am I giving 400 grand to this guy? Like, I don't think this guy can play. And so now they've become advanced scouts and to a certain degree, like you totally get it. Like, why, why am I giving this guy money? 
So he's going to stay here for four months and then shake me down again? Like, I, I do understand that. I also think there might be there might be a generational change that's happening. I don't know if I've, I've mentioned it at least on, on my show. I don't know if I've talked about it with y'all or at least on air. My generation views the college experience more transactionally than the previous generations. And like, I think back, I've got, I've got a decent amount of friends now that are making good money. None of them give to their schools. If anything, like they give to like high schools or, you know, like it, in, but for the most part, no one's given to the school. And I can't think of something that my peers would rather do less than just like go and fund a sports team. Like that's just not where everyone's mind is at. And I think what you're starting to see is some of the old guard that was willing to, to fund the recruiting operation, they're either dying, they're moving to Florida, like they're, they're just kind of done with it. Like they view like, okay, that, I, I was a good soldier for a really long time. I'm just done with it, and I'm going to go enjoy my life. And I think that's also why you're seeing – these handful of schools that are having success while everyone else is scrambling. I think it's because those handful of schools still have, like, if you look at like Miami, it's, it's basically one guy. Like, I think you know, you're onto like, something. I, I, this is the first time I've ever even thought about it that way. And look, my, my little sample size is so small that it doesn't matter. But like the kids that I know that just graduated with Campbell, they're all going to be like tight with each other and they're going to go on trips together and stuff. And if you told me they bounce up to Fayetteville once a year and go to a football game so that they can see each other and take Instagram pictures. Sure. But I mean, the thought of them giving to an NIL fund is hilarious. I, I can't even imagine now female versus they're female. Male. You sure. Yeah, I mean, but like, no, but I mean, I it's obviously I didn't go to a school where sports were priority number one. You're not funding Pepperdine golf, Jeffrey. You're not decided not to throw much of I, I cash not, into that. I am not. I am not the one that got into the portal <laughs> and got after it for my waves. Because um, I have a real problem with our slow play. Like we're the slow. We're the most frustrating college golf team to watch. Like I can't stand it. So it was a principled move. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on just buckets of cash right now, ready to go to fund that. And honestly, obviously, I, I want to get baseball back to where it needs to be. But you know, I. I I just don't. I just don't know how I feel about our recruiting strategies, and I've not seen a PE major go in, so I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how I'll find the the talent that I need. But it's the same thing for me. It's like I am tight with my college friends. I really like my college friends, but like when I think back to Pepperdine, like it's not like it was a bad experience. It was just like something I did. Well, it was more of a transaction. <laughs> I'm trying to think through it, and it's probably one of those deals that's going to take me a couple of days to fully formulate a thought. Because, yeah, you, you've, you've hit me with something that's really interesting, but I haven't had enough time to fully process it. A lot of my friends are willing to give, and they are very much tied into the athletic department. But they're also, it's kind of like the text yesterday that I read, and I don't you didn't hear it, Jeffrey, but I read to Neil in the, on an over air was also, though, it's, it's enough of your generation, even though we may be in the same generation, however you want to phrase, phrase that. But... They also get disgruntled quicker. It's, hey, I need to see something for this. Why am I doing it? It's not just this blanket thing that goes on and on and on and on without results. 
there is like a semblance of enough of your what you're talking about to go, hang on a minute, what are we doing? I'm good with it. I want them to win. I do get a lot of emotional enjoyment and all this stuff out of it. But at the end of the day, does it make a damn bit of difference? And you kind of question and you move and you go through that because, you know, it's something you indirectly hit on. I was just thinking about there's lots of reasons why collectives happen far beyond this. But one of the indirect benefits is that when NIL first started, it was, hey, find a way for your business to do a commercial with this player. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was how the cheating was going to start. Was you go, hey, we're going to pay this guy, because there was no market rate. We're going to pay an exorbitant amount of money and let him do a 30-second social media ad. And that still happens. But where the collective is genius is that you're not giving the money to the one player, and then you get pissed off when the one player sucks, or he transfers, or he does something stupid. You're simply giving to the overall operation or a part of the big cog where you're not tied to the success or failure of that one player and you see your investment as a success or failure with one player. It's just, hey, we're all in this together and we're trying to make this work and it makes it easier to go, hey, I just need more or if we had this, if we had this versus, hey, I paid for Joe over there and Joe's third string and not playing. What's up? You really want me to do that again? I don't trust you. Right. It's different. Oh, you're right. I mean, I, I think back to like the first negotiation we had with Chance Campbell. <laughs> and I mean, the conversation was, I have no idea what we're doing here. Like how, how much it's going to take, how much this business is willing to pay you. And now you wouldn't even do that. Now the only way you would even do like a show like we did would be if a player wanted to build his brand and he wanted to use your platform. Isaac Ikwu, if to, something happened there. Yeah, to yeah. build yeah, his yeah. brand. Because I mean, I, the prices are such that I, mean, I don't mind selling it. It's, it's it's years past. I mean, Chance Campbell got like six grand to do that show. I don't think you could even get it started with the conversation at that number now. And going to a business to pay that player to do a show, well, they they run the risk of that player getting hurt, that player not playing, that player not playing well, whatever. It, it it's just a lot there. It's a it's a. You're right. The collective idea is genius because it sort of puts a big protective tarp over all of that. Mm -hmm. Yet the people who are actually giving to the collective are probably asking questions when things don't work out. Well, they are. It's why I think every, I don't know about Grove Collective or Walker or anybody else. I think every, everybody who donates should get a complete list of what everybody's getting at the end of the year. No, show me where the money went. Let me see what so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. But yeah, with the collective, unless you earmark money, I mean, you can convince yourself, hey, if Beard has a big year, oh, I helped with that. I didn't help with the football team that went 6-6 six and six or the baseball team that went 6-24. and 24. No, I helped the good thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, hey, no, that, I helped with that dude. Of course. Well, my first question is, do they want a paper trail? Uh, they don't want a paper trail in large part because they don't want the whole roster to know what everyone's getting. Yeah, that's the biggest thing up with that. But I also wonder, maybe the way that the way that this gets attacked is a collective is supposed to be independent of the university. Like you know what I mean? Like these things, these things can easily be traced back to the school, and maybe you, maybe that's a way to attack it. But I mean, my deal is. If we talk about like collectives, all collectives were was putting a public face on bagmen. So the system's still in place, and they're still under the table bagmen. That hasn't gone away. No, it's I mean, lessened. I, it's needed for different things, but it hasn't gone away. 
And some people look. I mean, this is what we talked about the whole time. Some people are willing to do it when it is above board in public, and you can see it, and they can kind of go, "No, this is a business transaction that wouldn't do it under the table." And then there's a lot of people that go, "No, no, no I'll do it under the table, but I don't really want this publicized that I did this." Sure, Hell no, sure. And that's like where we are. I mean, I think maybe there's also maybe we we've left out a step when we were talking about the three things that happened. I think also the astronomical increase in coaches' salaries, I think, started changing the way that worked because now coach, when you're paying a coach what you pay them, you're a lot less patient. And so when you're less patient and you're sitting there going, damn, we lost four or five to end the year, like, uh, what, what, why, why do we need this? We need this receiver. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like you start doing that. Basically though, I think what we've, I think what we've all somewhat, uh, in a long form articulated, this thing's a mess. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's why at the, at the meetings yesterday, Eli Drinkwitz made a perfectly rational statement. Maybe been the day before. What he said was exactly right. The first time or the re-talk? Both. Okay. Everything he, everything the man said was exactly right. And he just got lit well, up like he, a Christmas His mistake tree. was fixing it the way he fixed it. Because, look, if you blow money, that's your own fault. That's life. That's just like if somebody wants to go to the NBA at 18, I'm whatever. Hey, your fault if you screw it up. That's not on me or whatever. His Drinkwitz's issue is... You should never lead the argument on why it's a bad idea with they're too young and stupid or are going to blow the money. That's a bad way to start it. Go somewhere else, but don't just say, oh, they're, they're idiots. Because if they are, great. That still doesn't change the point. He would have been better off leaving it with his first statement and not trying to correct it in a, in a very negative, bad way. Yeah, and I mean, it was just always going to come up. Whenever, whenever it got disseminated in the way that it did, even though he had a valid point, it's always going to come back to you're complaining about kids getting paid, yet you are perfectly fine making $7 million a year, more yeah. than your brother-in-law. Like, that was always, like, but here's even, th- though it's, even though it's an ad hominem attack and it's a logical fallacy, it's still, like, you just had to know that's how that was going to go. I, and, I, and I get it. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I've always been pro player on this, and I still basically am. What what goes unsaid in this is it was never meant to be, hey, come here, make half a million dollars a year. That was That's not what it was designed to be. It was designed... To- but it was the way it was always going to be. When you when, when you said it's... I mean, not you, but just in general, when you say it's not what <laughs> it's designed... to the most no, cynical guy in the world. But when you say it's not what it's designed to be, anybody with any logic understood once you open that door... Smart, competitive people were going to find every loophole and turn it into that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, but you're Pollyanna and a in, a, in an idealist. If you really thought that's where this was sitting, of course. But Drinkwitz, oh, I mean, is, Drinkwitz is absolutely right, though. There are guys that are making two hundred grand a year to sure. play college football, and in two years they will be absolutely broke. He's he's one hundred. But that's their fault. It is. It, but but, that, but that, that's not an argument from Drinkwitz. Why? Wait, okay, so sure. I mean, I, I, there's going to be some coaches making seven million that are broke in two years. So should we not pay you? You don't think a college football coach has ever gone broken after broke after making seven? Well, figures? sure, 
I think college professional players do it all the time. Should we just not pay them? No, but you understand my point. I, I do. Yeah, but you I, understand my point. Use one of the ones that makes sense. Sure. I mean, I think what he... Look, Drinkwitz is not good at PR. He's he not. Need, he's awful. He's a pretty good coach. He he's is. a shitty talker. He is. He gets himself in trouble because he wants to be more popular than he can be. Or that that appears to be is, the case. Is he a pretty good coach? Yeah, he's a better coach than he gets credit yeah, for because he were, looks like a dork and talks bad. And he's at a program where it's almost impossible to win and they're pretty competitive. I don't know. It's how you want to do the close game thing. He lost a bunch of close games. You go, God, he had him right there. Then you go, yeah, he's a coach, and he lost a bunch of close games. So I don't know. Well, last night when I last night when I couldn't go to sleep, um, knowing that uh, I was coming on the show today, <laughs> I started thinking about this. Is it a good or bad thing that Ole Miss last year with a a, a quarterback in year one, completely new system? Could you spin it positively that their struggles were second-half struggles? But, like, you know, their offense in the first half of most games seemed to hum. Like, would you view that as a good thing or a bad thing coming into this year? Like, because I could make an argument now, like, they can kind of, you know, in year two, there's going to be more, you know, you've got a quarterback that's got more reps and – Maybe some of those games that you couldn't finish, you could, you can get over the hump this year. I, th- I think, though, I'd get back into that. If he felt so good about Dart, why did he bring in Sanders? I, th- I think I go keep you from getting him, and I think that's what it was. Now, how you're going to keep that locker room happy when one of those guys isn't playing is beyond me. But that's his. That, that's that, he's getting paid nine million for that, not me. Um, I think you can make the argument, though, because Spencer came in like in the spring. It's not like I don't. I don't feel like that divides a locker room quite as much as when you know when you had two guys that came in for the same time and then their third year. And look. I think one of the things too with the Sand- the Sanders Dart deal is it happened. Over, you know, before spring, he goes through spring. There's a certain amount of time that passes where it all sort of stabilizes, I think, because players aren't dumb. So unless Sanders was completely promised something and he still expects to happen and isn't, time sort of fixes that in a way, I think, where he has to either come to the realization, hey, I'm good holding a clipboard or I need to go down to another level and do something or this is whatever. It's less of a locker room issue with time passing than if you just come in in July, compete for it in August, and everything is still completely as fresh and raw. Probably. I don't know. I'm rambling, but I also think it's a lot. I think it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, like acting like every issue is the same is is dumb. But I think it's a lot different when you have the guy that comes in and everybody knows this is his gig. And he comes in late, and then all of a sudden he starts to struggle. That's when you see the. That's when you see the friction. I think if your guy that probably could have been upset and left, for example, Dart, if he's the one that like takes the reins, I, I think that's. I think that's a lot more manageable. Here's my thing: when people ask me what I think about Ole Miss this fall, and this is this is not a cop out answer. This is the honest truth. I think they could be really good. Because there's there's reasons to think they could be really good, 
And then I look over on defense, and I'm like, they added 13 so far. 13 transfer portal guys, which tells me that. That's on defense. Yeah, on defense alone, which yeah. tells me that Pete Golding looked at the defense and went, we're in trouble. I need dudes. I need dudes. And so I don't know how many of those dudes can step in and play up. I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a bunch of them. So if you told me, hey, they're going to be really, really good on defense, I'm like, cool, I, I get it. And then if you told me, man, they're going to really struggle on defense because they just have dudes who aren't impact guys, I'd buy that too. I don't know. I mean, that's why I think there's more variance on Ole Miss than the people. I hear people go, man, nine and three is the ceiling and eight and four is the floor or eight and four is the ceiling and seven and five is the floor. I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think the ceiling's higher than that, and I think the floor is potentially deeper than that. You could make an well, argument. Also, I mean, you could make an argument for me that Ole Miss goes ten and two, and I'd go, okay, I see it. And you could make an argument they go five and seven, and I'd go, I see that too. And also, the schedule's a little weird. It, it's a lot weird. The schedule's a lot weird. You could tell me that they're five and one at the turn, or that they're three and three at the turn. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I guess the most likely thing is they're probably four and two before the break. I think, but I mean, again, this is that's st- beating Tulane and Arkansas on paper. Yeah, I mean, but, if you want to give them Alabama, lose another whatever. Right, right, right. Sure. The the thing about them is on paper, like how do you even project them on paper? Because like, like, look, I I think Isaac Uku is going to be a good player, for example. But there's a jump from playing at James Madison to playing at Ole Miss. There's a jump from being a corner at North Texas to being a DB at Ole Miss, from Rhode Island to Ole Miss. There's just a different deal when you're playing LSU one week and Alabama the next or vice versa or whatever. And then the week after that, you got Arkansas and then you got Auburn. There's just a different – I'm not saying they can't do it, but when you're asking a whole bunch of them to do it, there's a real variance in potential outcomes. Well, and also, I mean, when you've got that three-game stretch of – Bama, LSU, Arkansas, those have 
all traditionally been pretty intense physical football games, you may head to the bye week just like completely decimated with injuries. Sure. And all of a sudden, games that you were predicting on paper, all of a sudden they look a whole hell of a lot different. Yeah, and that's your traditional variance. You always sort of have that type of variance. This year, you I mean, who knows? Like the, the UAB transfer, does he... It's one thing to block in Conference USA. It's another thing to block every day in the SEC against those defensive lines. And maybe he's perfectly great at it. Maybe he's not. Yeah. We think Monty Montgomery's good. Yeah. And at least he did play power five. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I'm a little more confident with him as opposed to uh, taking a, a kid from UCF, moving him to kind of a different position and going, hey, here's this big role, jump it. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, that, I don't, I'm not being negative at all here. I'm just simply saying when people say, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, you know, and then like at receiver, do they do they have the dominant receiver that, that Lane's – when Lane's offenses have been elite, there's kind of always been a an elite receiver that they've been able to go to. Maybe they have that guy. Maybe they don't. I don't know. It's just a lot of question marks. I know we got a couple more minutes. Well, go ahead, Jeffrey. The other thing is like when you look at it, Maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe it's literally as simple as this. An Ole Miss season's probably going to swing on these four games. Arkansas, at Auburn, A&M at home, and then at State. Like, What do you do in those four games are probably going to determine whether or not it was a good season or whether or not it was a meh season. I think that's very logical. Historically, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that stays in there. Hey, uh, real quick, i got to get going a minute. Um, is there a scenario where Miami wins the NBA championship? Without injury, <laughs> yeah, with 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 Jokic and and Murray and Porter staying healthy, I don't see it. I was looking it up today. Like I know Miami has been a big underdog in every series, and they've won every series previously. But the last time a a underdog this big won the NBA title was the '04 Pistons, and. That is just such a completely different era. To me, the question is, is Miami going to be the first team that can make Denver have to make an adjustment? Because even when Phoenix got those two games in Phoenix in games three and four, it really wasn't necessarily what Phoenix did to did to the Nuggets on the you know, defensive end. It was Devin Booker, who's an elite offensive player, going absolutely out of his mind. Yeah, he went so bonkers. it's an elite offensive player just going even more out of his mind. And then that was not sustainable. Like It wasn't like he was bad in games five and six. It's just he came back down to, to normal, which is still an elite offensive player. I just don't know. I don't know what Miami does to to make them adjust, but Spolstra, I think, is the best coach in basketball, so if anyone's going to be able to do it, like, everything that I've seen basketball-wise tells me no. The hesitation that I have is I've been doubting Miami the entire playoffs, and so why get burned again? But typically what you kind of see, when you see the, the team that gets hot and goes on the run in the playoffs, eventually they kind of come back down to earth. And I 
feel like that's what we're about to see. I do too. I like Denver in five. I want it to go better. I want it to be deeper than that. I loved. I'm, there's a part of me that, even though I'm, I think I'm cheering for Denver because I I like the story of Denver winning. Um, but there's a part of me that knows I'm kind of going to be sort of cheering for the Heat because I like Spolstra and I like Jimmy Butler and I kind of like the Heat team. Well, need- it's kind of hard not to like a team that has like five undrafted guys that have made differences. Yeah, and who just kind of play roles. They just sort of... Plus, it's not super easy to root for Stan Kroenke. That's true. Oh, I'm thinking about that. That's true. You always have to kind of just throw that Ooh. out in your mind. Because I like Malone, and I like Jokic, and I like Murray, and I think Porter's a good story because a lot of people thought he just couldn't stay healthy and couldn't play. And early in his career, they looked they looked like they were right, and they figured out a way to... I'm sure it's through his work that he's been able to stay on the floor. And it also feels like great players kind of have their moment, and it feels like this is probably Jokic's moment because he's been the best player in the playoffs. Yes. You yeah. could argue he's been the best player all year. I mean, it's he, he and Embiid were the best players all season long. So, so anyway. One guy's team still standing. Yep. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, man. All right, boys. Jeffrey Wright there joining us. On the My Perfect Franchise hotline. Yeah, if you want to get some bets in for tonight, Nuggets and Heat again, game one, 7.30 Central Time for game one tonight. Um, Let's see what we got. We got for the series, the Nuggets are minus 400 to win the series tonight. So you got to bet 400 to win 100. The Heat are plus 300 tonight. So you can bet 100 to win 300 on the Heat. I need a little bigger number than that, honestly. That's not quite enough. Um, but if you had some Heat's features, I bet they were not three to one. So you no. you, you you're pretty golden there on those. Uh, they're predicting a blowout to the point that the series spread, meaning Nuggets four to whatever, is two and a half. So four one is a win, four two is a Heat win. Oh, so if you'd like to bet on the Heat, you get them at um, whatever the number is here at uh, two and a half. Get, gotcha. get get two and a half games in uh, in that one. Uh, let's Tyler Harrow, by the way, not playing tonight. He's been ruled out for tonight. That is correct. Game three is what most people predict in this. Yeah. Which would be back in Miami. Uh, the exact series game prices, if you'd like to bet on this series going a certain number of games, plus 500 for a four-game series, meaning a sweep for either team, plus 200 for a five-game series, that's the favorite, plus 225 for a six-game series, and plus 225 for a seven-game series. If you'd like to put some... For some dumb reason, put some cash on that. Feel free. You can. Uh, I don't think it'll be a sweep. I think it's a five game series. If you told me it was six, I'd buy it. If you told me it was seven, I'm stunned. Tonight, Nuggets favored by eight and a half, and the over under two eighteen and a half. So one hundred nine, one hundred nine tie. One fourteen, one hundred five win, something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the. You like Nuggets by eight and a half tonight? I don't, I don't hate it. For some reason, I like the Nuggets bigger in game two than tonight. I feel like you got the whole game one. Everybody kind of juiced a little bit. you a little tired, but you can gut it for a day. The Nuggets, it's r- rust versus rest. It is. I mean, they, they're plenty rested. I don't know how rusty they are. We got some game times for uh, the college football season for Ole Miss's first three weeks. Get ready for a couple scorchers the first two weeks of the season. Ole Miss and Mercer game that's on ESPN Plus, so not on actual television. 
That is a 1 p.m. kick uh, at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium there on September the 2nd. I don't know the last time that I recall a 1 p.m. kick. That is that is not that is not a common time um, in college football. Listen. Yep. I've lived in the South for 53 years now. If you made me gamble on what the weather's going to be at 1 p.m. on September the 2nd. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm putting my money. Well, look. That is going to be a <laughs> that is going to be cold compared to the next week. Right there off Claiborne and Uptown New Orleans, two thirty kick outdoors. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've and I I love New Orleans. I know. Okay, I love New Orleans, but there have been times in New Orleans, and this is not alcohol related, where just being outside in the afternoon in September yeah, is just uh. Uh-uh. You just get out for a few minutes, you're like you're drained. I'm not talking about drinking. I'm talking about just walking. I can't imagine putting on pads and running at two thirty in the afternoon outdoors in New Orleans. <laughs> I mean it is going to be blazing. Blazing. <laughs> I actually feel no joke for the EMS people that day. Yeah, it's stands. It's going to be thing, so you're in New Orleans. Hot. Everybody's going to be drinking. Yep. You, you, you're you're going to go have a martini lunch and then go to the stadium and hung over from the night before, <sighs> already dehydrated. Yeah, there's a reason the Saints play in a dome. Well, yeah, some, some people ask, "Oh, hey, they, you are aware this is not at Caesars, right?" Like, I've, I've hey, had to tell is... I've had to tell so many people. They're like, "Oh man, I'm going to New Orleans." I'm like, "Do you have tickets?" Because it's going to be a hard ticket. Yeah, you know that's that's one of the things that's been interesting. Is I as soon as this was announced, I saw Saints Titans the next day. You get a good, good little double header there, and I went about securing some Saints Titans tickets and getting everything kind of organized for the weekend and whatever. And I had most people go, Oh God, that's going to be such a hard ticket. And I went, that's not the hard ticket. Mm-mm. I can find Saints tickets. Sure. If you were trying to get a bunch of tickets for Tulane Ole Miss, it's a 30,000 seat stadium. That's your problem. And Tulane's not going to give Ole Miss 20,000 no, tickets. Five, six, four, five. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever the number is. It's going to be a big game for Tulane fans. And they're coming off of a big season. It's their second game. They play South Al in a big game the week before. Yeah, They're going to t- turn out for it. An SEC team at home in their stadium? They're, they're, yeah, and, and not the Dome, their stadium. Their stadium, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of Ole Miss people. I'm not making fun of anybody. There's a lot of Ole Miss people out there that are like, oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in the Dome. Nope. Nope, it's not going to be in the Dome. It's going to be hot. I don't know that that's registered for everybody yet. Between yeah. tickets and temperature, and yeah. if you're if you're here, you I realize that I'm preaching to the choir. If yeah. you're listening to our show, yes, you're very well you, aware. You already know. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people out there in the general populace that think this is. Don't the only people that get there to get tickets when they get there and go, hold on a minute. Yeah, we're not playing in the sixty-eight thousand seat stadium. Right? No, you're not. You're over there. Whew. And then Georgia Tech, 6.30, week three. And that's fine. That makes Still sense. Still be hot, but at least 6.30. I don't know the answer to this. I'm a bad journalist because I could have asked yesterday and I just haven't done it. Does the ESPN still set that Mercer time or does Ole Miss set that time since it's ESPN Plus? I'm guilty of the same thing you are. Yeah, I, 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 I could have asked a couple of people. I but just didn't. I just didn't. They probably would have assumed the question was 
loaded, antagonistic, a loaded antagonistic question. And it would have been just literally why. Yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah. Cause when I saw that, I went, hold on one o'clock. And yeah. maybe there's a reason. I don't know. I'm sure there is a reason. I just don't know what that reason might be. If that game is the, a typical Ole Miss Mercer game, the second half attendance Ooh, of that game is going to be some kind of empty. Yeah. I mean, it's first game. You'll get your pomp and circumstance and all the whole deal. And then and at halftime, it's like, hey, I've seen enough. Yeah. Just as Walker Howard comes into the game, you go, I'm good. We'll, we'll holler at you next week. When she says to you, we're not staying for the second half, are we? Oh. That's, that's a loaded question. That wasn't really a question. Yeah. The answer is we're not staying for the second half. Yeah, I'm not at least. Yeah. I'll go find the tent or a bar. Yeah. All right, uh, Kyle with the super yeah. chat. He says, I need some advice. We have Ooh. a small 24-inch TV. We are hanging in the kitchen. The mount is too small to use the studs. Will it work Ooh. just in drywall? You're asking maybe the two worst people on the planet that question, but um, I would be a little scared of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably just heavy enough that at some point could cause you a problem. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you're better off crowdsourcing this in the stream for other people to give you an answer. But I would be a little hesitant for that. I would too. Yeah, that's that's 24 is not. It, it still weighs a decent amount, like comparatively to what we're talking about. JGJG says use anchors. I, I think I buy that. I think I'm up with there. So. This hit the board yesterday, or two days ago, and I meant to mention on the podcast yesterday, but we didn't need it. See the thread with, uh, and I think you might have even commented in it, <clears throat> of uh, the guy at the beach who was heating up his hamburgers without preheating the grill? I did see Is this. this... You get no sear. Yeah, I mean... Because it... It's just going to stick. It's never going to... So, to, to pick anyone up here on this conversation, Poster said that he was grilling out at his condo in Florida... Guy comes up beside him and just throws his burgers on the grill as he is turning it on and just cooks them that way. And a couple people made the argument, though technically will be done at the same time. I don't buy that in a way because you're not getting that initial flash sear of when you heat it up and then throw them on there and it it seals in the juices and everything you need for a sear. Like it's it would be almost like sous vide in your burgers, but not ever putting any char on them. Just simply they're cooked. And yes, they're going to be at a temperature, but that's not giving you the same texture. Mm-mm. It's heating the grill up to four or five or whatever you're doing. And and I think the question was, am I next to a psychopath? And I think the answer is yes. Or someone who ha- doesn't grill at all and literally had no idea. So you start. They were on vacation and said, we got to start grilling. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just. I've, I don't grill. So I'm on vacation and now I'm going to grill. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with doneness, JM. I just think it has something to do with texture, right? Yeah. You, I get it's still going to cook through. That's not my argument. There's a way that there's a way that you do it. Yeah, you it's going to cook through and whatever. Yeah, it'll cook. I'll bet $1000 the guy hadn't put any salt on it. You don't think they're they were seasoned at all. I would I would go out on a limb and guess that these are these are not culinary people. And part of the joy of grilling, if we're being honest, is getting the grill hot. 
Because that allows you, as long as you really want, to get the hell away from people and go sit out on the balcony or whatnot with a cold beverage and enjoy the peace and quiet while the grill gets hot. And when people go, is it time yet? I can't make this thing get hotter until it's ready to get hot. Leave me alone. There is a process. I am the chemist. Go away and let me me play with my tools here. I I am in charge. Exactly. I'm king of the barbecue. When I do the big green egg, everyone (laughs) understands that, hey, when I'm sitting out there for 30 minutes, letting the egg get ready, that I could have sped that up, but maybe I just wanted those 30 minutes. I'm telling you, there is a section of the populace that that is the reason they are anti-Traeger people or things like that, because you need it to be a little more complicated with the egg, but you got to make sure the temperature stays sure. and you got to turn the dials. I mean, you feel like you're doing some engineering here. You don't really need everybody else in the house or in the world knowing I can do this all from my smartphone and the temperature is just set and a monkey could do this. Mm-mm. And I could be cleaning dishes and doing all this mm-hmm. other stuff while that thing's getting ready. Now, hey, I've got to watch the egg. I've got to watch it. I mean, what do you mean to do? I mean, I mean, I, I'm having to play with the top vent and the bottom vent, yes. and I'm having to make. I'm, I'm, I got, I got shit going on. Okay, got, I'm, I'm busy. I'm occupied, and yeah, I, I'm, I might be having a, another beer while I'm at it, but leave me alone. And I think that's understood. Maybe one of the keys to like happiness, right there. You know what? He's out there for thirty minutes. Maybe he just felt like he needed thirty minutes. And you know what? Cool. Not going to bother him right now. A beer and a half, and the beer will be the, the grill will be ready, and then we'll throw the then food all on. All of a sudden, yeah, the food will go on. And we'll go from there. But right now, that's why when you put the brisket on, you just basically stare at it for three hours while it's in the stall before it comes out of the stall. Yeah. And you and you know it's going to come out. It's it's like death and taxes. It will eventually, if you'll leave it alone, move past one hundred sixty eight yes. degrees. It will. It, it'll it'll get there. But in those moments. Maybe that's a time that you just need a little quiet, a little focus. Yeah, so I mean, I've had this conversation with Chris Malloy multiple times. He goes, yeah, but the food is better because I know it's perfect. And it's like, it's not about the taste. It's Mm -mm. about the experience. Mm -hmm. Just let me. I'll sacrifice a little on the finished product if I can just have my. There's no doubt. Have my period here. There's no question. That's just an understood thing. There has to be. There has to be some quiet time sometimes, just a little alone time. Do you move to a different beer when it's grilling season, when the spring and the summer gets here versus when you're throwing something on in November or December? I mean, are you very seasonal with those type of things? Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's, there's there's a couple of beers that I, I can pretty much go year-round. But, yeah, a little bit. Like, when it's cold, I'll, I'm, I'm more into, like, a, a stout or something. Like, I would never have that now. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do some of those, uh, like the Oberon, the the wheat. Oh yeah, you know, or a Pilsner yeah, sure. in, in the summer that I, I typically wouldn't do in the winter. I think that's more mental than it is actual flavor or what. Does that go for uh, like spirits too? Yeah, a little bit. Like I don't catch myself drinking any bourbon this in time. the summer. Yeah, not really. And not like doctoring it somehow where it's more of a summer drink, if you I will. Mean, but if I did, that's probably what I would do. A little ginger ale or something, and or just try to come up with something different. But I'm more tequila or mezcal this time of year if I have anything. I just can't get behind it. I'm telling you, it just doesn't. The taste does not do it at all. That's why I'm not a big margarita person. I just the tequila taste does not do anything for me. Really, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 whatever. No big deal. 
part of my problem is that I kind of like everything. So I just alcohol. Yes. Yes. Uh, the athletic ran a poll yesterday with all of its uh, pulse subscribers. It asked uh, how close Nick Saban was to being done from a dynasty standpoint. They set the over under at one and a half titles for oh, the yeah, rest of his this. career. I'd go under. 73% said over. Really? Surprised me too. I would say under as well. I'd give him one more, but I don't know that I'm willing to give him two more. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure he's coaching four more years. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying you're. He's uh, on. He, he's on average of winning basically a title every three years. I think if you set the over under at one half, I'd go under. You don't think he wins another one? You think he's done? I mean, if you tell me he well, won, my point is, if you're going to give me one, I'm still. I'm definitely going under. Yeah. If you're going to make two, be my number for sure. Georgia's a problem. Big time. Every school. There's a lot of schools that are problems. But Georgia's a big problem. Well, For him. Georgia's Alabama East with more money. Frankly, a better situation overall right now. They've got more talent. It's not saying Alabama's not talented because, of course, they are. But Georgia has more talent. Alabama, when they were winning a national title every two weeks, they were doing it because they were recruiting all of those players. Literally, they were getting all of them. And now a lot of them are going to Georgia. And I think Brian Kelly and LSU are going to be a problem for Nick Saban here the next two or three years. It appears that LSU is going to be a problem. Stephen asking, and we mentioned the basketball transfers, but in our opinion, if all of them are approved for waivers, what are your expectations of the team? Uh, they're they're a tournament-ish team if they get everybody in. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think I think they're a tournament team if if everybody's eligible. But that's a, I mean, boy, that's a huge if right now. It's just so hard to even think about it. But look, Flanagan's played a whole lot of SEC basketball. So is Morrell. So is Breakfield. Those are good players. Um. Sharps are really talented. You're going to get a rim protector. You're going to get at least one rim protector, maybe two. I think Brandon Murray is potentially a very impactful player. That's where my problem is, right. is I think Murray is the most impactful and important guy of the entire class, and I think he's the least likely to get eligible. My opinion, I'm not a basketball guy, but I've heard enough That's, and talked to some people. It's that, an informed opinion. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple people tell me that that would know. Um, so, if you could – if, if I were Chris Beard and you said, hey, you could pick Cissé or Murray, I would want Murray. Sure. Absolutely. No question. And it feels to me, again, you can't predict the NCAA that Cissé has a better better chance of getting waived, in my opinion. But again, we don't know what they're going to do. Right. I mean, you saw our board was talking about it. They denied some kid that was somewhere this morning or yesterday, I guess. And he had essentially taken a year off to care for his mother who was sick and close to passing away. But that doesn't fall inside their waiver anymore. That's no longer one of the ways that you can get. You would have to claim mental illness off of that situation, documented, right? Not simply that is where it's at. So I don't know. I mean, I'm fascinated. I've, we have not been this fascinated in Ole Miss basketball in a while. Well, here's the tr- people are always like, "Are you guys what? what your mindset?" No, I'm. I'd love for them to be really good at basketball. I would love for them to be, we from a business standpoint, from just a content standpoint, doing this show every day. I mean, normally this this week we're talking about an NCAA tournament regional starting tomorrow. And we are not. 
I mean, they're starting tomorrow, but we're not talking about them. And so normally on Monday, we would come back and maybe even covering a game or talking about, hey, they're on to a super regional or, oh, my God, they choked and whatever. Yeah, even if they were in a road regional, I'd come in and go, God, if they win, do I go to Clemson next week? Of course. When do you leave? What do you do? And, and now that we're not, we're not there. I'm we, going to Clemson. We were talking baseball last year. Basically through till, June, through June, basically up until we took a break for July the fourth. Yeah, and even there, everybody was in a great mood, and it was whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we we need we need basketball to be good. Basketball, we need basketball to be a talked about thing through the third week of March. Collision baseball every year is a Mickey Mouse operation. I can't stand that site and their polls and stuff. They're awful, but. And as much as you can miss one, and I'll be curious to see what everybody else does because maybe they're just the first and everybody's going to follow suit and he's going to win. And look, he is remarkable. And maybe given his position and how much better he was than everybody else, it makes sense. But Paul Skeen's winning National Player of the Year over Dylan Cruz. I don't know. I mean, again, you're it's 1A, 1B, but I don't know that I could have done that. Cruz is generational to an extent that I can't quite put words on. From a number standpoint, I'm not sure that I wouldn't have voted for Wyatt Langford. Oh. Ooh. From a number standpoint, Florida had a better season than LSU. Well, now that's true. And Langford put up crazy numbers. Oh, he's 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 great. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Cruz. Yeah. There's some swing and miss with Langford, but otherwise he's Yeah. But somebody's gonna be okay with that. He They'll doesn't always he doesn't always miss. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's some people that think He's that Pittsburgh's going to take him number one. Mm-hmm. I want the number two pick. I'll just y'all figure it out, and I'll take the other guy. I don't. I'm, I'm good. Oh, if I'm Washington, I'm perfectly happy. Yeah, go ahead. Two. I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to get a a dude. A, a, a dude. Now I'm probably taking the offensive dude before I, I take I the pitcher. Yeah, I just no. these pitching things, man. <sighs> Skeen separated from every other arm more than a hitter did. He did, but these hitters, no. Oh. I don't see a scenario where either Cruz or Langford fails as a major leaguer. I don't see it. I'll tell you the other one that I absolutely, you know, you, you probably already know what I'm going to say. If I had a, you put me eighth, ninth, tenth in the draft, give me Enrique Bradfield Jr. I'm good. You, you, you like him. I love him. You're all in on him. Elite defensive player. That came back this year. That carries. He hits, he's yeah. got some pop. He can really run, and Major League Baseball's created the the new rules. Running's back. Oh, with the rules, and he's he's this super charismatic guy. He's got a lot of personality. He's fun. You could market him. Sign me up. I mean, I'd rather have Cruz or Langford because of the pop. Sure, but if they're off the table, give me him. I'm good. Gonzalez is going to go in the top 15 picks. I'm really curious how far he falls and where Kim Alderman goes because he doesn't have a position at all, really. They're probably going to just stick him out in left field. But that bat plays. That bat really plays. He could DH. I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with him in the draft. What somebody just goes, screw it. I'll figure it out. He's kind of Kyle Schwarber-y to me. Yeah, that's... Got a lot of pop. He's athletic enough to... And look, 
I've watched. I watch a There's lot. There's some bad left fielders. I watch the Phillies a lot. They've got Nick Castellanos in right field right now. I mean, he's just a dude. He's out there defensively. He's just like whatever. And Kyle Schwarber's more athletic than he gets credit for. But nobody's ever going to go, hey, yeah, Schwarber. <laughs> he's old glove, baby, running it down. He's a vacuum cleaner out there. Yeah, no. no, no, no. But if you can hit, and both of those guys can hit, yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if you told me. Kemp became a guy that basically DH'd, could play a little left field, and in a pinch could play some first base. I'd buy it. Yeah, I'm curious about him and curious about Calvin Harris. And here's the thing: here's the thing with Jacob, and I think he's going to be a top ten pick. I, I still do. But in today's baseball, if a team has any question mark about can he stick at shortstop? Yeah, no. Because if he can't, he's not. He's no longer a top ten pick. Yeah, because he doesn't have the. The good news for him is it only takes one team to believe you can. Yeah, There doesn't have to be consensus. And I think there probably will be a team. I mean, I like him. He's a really good player. The makeup's great. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's, he's an 80 on makeup. And it's just... And he doesn't do anything poorly. No. Look, the range is not great. He only had five errors, though. That tells you he, he was much better at making the routine play, understanding his game a little more defensively, some of those things. But without the shift, you need your shortstop you to do. have range. Yeah, he's got to go now. I don't know. Yeah, July 9th through 11th, still got a little time for that. It happens again. Portal closes on the 13th. Because so. last thing, and we'll close, I, I posted about Cooper Pratt a little bit, stuff on the board this morning. Everybody keeps saying, hey, just figure out and then figure out the portal. You can't. You have to figure out the portal first and just – you can't plan for the draft at all. You have to act like you're losing everyone yes. and then getting lucky if you get someone. That's what I was going to that, say. That's you, where this is. Your game plan has to be going into it. All right, Pratt's not going to be here. Uh, uh, Smith, Josh Note's not going to be here. Smith Xander Mute's not going to be here. Ever, yeah. Yeah. And you have to assume the freshman won't be ready. Yeah. We are building a roster without the freshman, and then you get what you get. That's where this is. Um, but just in general, I do think they're keeping Smithwick – I think they're losing Noth for sure, and then I think it comes down to Xander Muth and, and Cooper Pratt at that point. Both, I don't know, flip some coins. We're still a good ways away. But the draft being later, I mean, it's six weeks, so we got time to uh, figure that out. So, anyway, thanks to Jeffrey for his uh, time today on the show. We'll be back with you very, very soon. There will be a pre-recorded version of Henry's guys for a uh, another podcast this week. So Actually, we'll Josh that. Hendrickson's coming in tonight. Oh, We're going to do okay. a live stream, but oh, it will be the Friday podcast. Okay, so Friday show for that, and we will talk to you again very soon.